Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets. And trust me, folks, this is a magical week. We are in store. If you can hear a little pep in the step, it's because it is my favorite event of the European Tour, the Magical Kenya Open. Tom Jacobs, what is happening? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It would have been even more magical if our, uh, our man had got it done last week. Uh, but uh, I'm sure he'll do it this time around. Yeah, I mean, laying in bed at, at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, getting your heart ripped out by Antoine Rosner hitting a 60-foot birdie putt, which no one sniffed the hole all day long. I mean, that that was sad. That was tough to you know take. I mean, Guido probably would have been minus 400 then if he would have won last week coming back to Karen Country Club. But we're going to have to swallow it with some of the prices now that we see for this week. But we were all over it for a few of those days. I mean, Thursday went well. Friday was okay. Saturday went a little worse. And then Sunday just didn't shake out. How was your week overall, Tom? It, uh, I realize now why I didn't realize what Jeff Winston looked like. Um <laughs> There's a reason why he went backwards and, uh, you know, we forget, we move on. Uh, Kurt Kitayama had a couple of great chances, uh, went backwards. And Jorge Campillo was great until he decided to triple bogey the night pole. So, um, you know, it, it was just one of those weeks. I think that we we had the right guys. You obviously did. You had you know, Guido there, who we uh, we talk about every week for, for good reasons. Um I think, I, I think the process was great. I think we picked the right guys. I think we, we made all the right moves. It just didn't pan out. We saw a lot of guys, you can see like Jack Senior, for example, as soon as he hit the front, uh, it was ejecto button and, and out he went. So it's just one of those. And I think we might get a lot of that this week, which I think is why it opens up for some for some long shots here. Yeah, it's it's tough to, you know, I guess it's a typical European tour week. You know, some of the golfers that we tend to be high on starting out well on Thursday, you see the the more likely of kind of the progression of what you saw at the players where the cream rises to the top doesn't happen to be the consistency that the European tour leads. Of course, Rosner won. I mean, Peters and Dietrich just on the fringe of the top 10, but you see some of these guys placing, I mean, Guido was triple digits last week, you know, paying off in each way, just as long as what Rosner was. There's so much opportunity in these weaker field strength European tour events. And that's what we're going to have this week. That's what we're going to have next week. You know, this summer might have quite a bit of them with kind of the, the schedule hopping, hopping that we do <laughs> have. So, you know, I, I'm thankful that, that, that Guido was able to do that now. Um, I think we just have to start talking Karen Country Club, Magical Kenya Open. What's your first take coming back here for the second time that it's been a European tour event? They played it in the Challenge Tour in the past. So a good amount of this field has seen this course before. What are you targeting from uh, your golfers this week? Yeah, so it's a bit of a weird one for me because I don't – I remember Guido winning and I remember the final day and I remember the process of that because he was a guy that I was really excited about. Um, and ever since it's just really unfolded. But I don't remember too much from the event itself. Don't remember. I mean, you look at some of the names on the leaderboard: Liam Johnston, Josh Geary, um, Anton Carlson, Robert Carlson. You know, th there's so many names there of guys that you could just never predict they're going to do it until you look back at where they played well. And for me, looking at the the top of the leaderboard, everything screams Portugal Masters and Porsche European Open from 2017, 2019, and then Portugal Masters all the way along. Those guys, I mean, I've just spoken about my podcast and we'll be here all day if I try and make all the correlations. But just trust me, those two events work well. Um, they, they pan out and that's what's led me to a couple of my picks this week. But I think it's a course that opens itself up to a lot of different players. I think that you don't have to be long here 
I think it obviously helps, and I don't think there's too much punishment from being off the fairway, but it is also the tree line, so it's not quite Valderrama, but there is some sort of trouble if you go way off the mark. Yep, and I think of the golfer that Guido was, you know, heading into this event in, in 2019, and it's it's very different from what he has shown over the last bit. And of course, I don't want to look at one year, one winner to sum up my analysis of what I, I think Karen Country Club is. But the leaderboard's kind of full of the guys that were prototypical ball strikers, couldn't putt worth a lick. I mean, Guido was seriously at the time, he was the best ball striker on the European tour, and he was missing every single cut because he couldn't make a three foot putt. And, and that was what he was doing. He was sticking it to five feet and not making the birdie, potentially three putting. And, and that was what led us to still betting him, backing him. I mean, he was still 66 to one after the first round. He was 200 plus, you know, on the outright for that. And, but because you look at the second place golfer, you see Audrey Arnas, you know, Arnas is prototypical ball striker, can't putt. Louis Dieger, not too bad to the green hasn't put it all together. I mean, Gags Bular, I think we'll talk about him a little bit later. He's more, you know, really good off the tee at times or uh, electric short game as we saw last week. Um, so I'm just really attacking ball striking for, for me. And I mean, that's what I do probably 90% of the time last week, we got a little bit different attacking short game, uh, a little bit more than long game, but I mean, I just know what Guido does so well, knew what he did that weekend. Um, you know, I tweeted this morning the highlight of him on the 18th hole, you know, the approach shot that he hit, you know, I mean, it brings a smile to my face because I mean, <laughs> just, just, just talking about one shot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he literally hit the pin to, to win. You know what I mean? Like he had to par it. Yeah. He just middle of the fairway, hits the pin, pumping his chest, going down the fairway. I mean, that was that was where we all fell in love and where we see him at the top of the market. And I mean, you know, we can start with, with our thoughts there. There's other golfers that are right there, but Guido's odds have plummeted through the day. He opened at 33s. If you were able to find it early on, fortunately I found one. Um, but you know, 25 is where he is across the States right now. You see Kitayama 18 to one after a really, really good ball striking week, Matthias Schwab who fits that bill at 18 to one Katsia, who's more of the short game specialist who actually, you know, was one of Tom's favorite picks who was seven under par through like nine holes and still missed <laughs> the cut somehow. Uh, cost me a little bit of DraftKings for that. And then Harding, you know, is up there too. I mean, do you have any interest of these guys in the top of the board? So obviously Guido is there for both of us. I think he's really important. Uh, you know, he's been great, hasn't he? And, and he's proven time and time again that he can mix it in the best of fields. And this isn't the best of fields. He's already won here. Gonna have good feelings. People find it hard to be a defending champion in two years since then. I don't know if that will have any effect on it at all. Um, Chris Paisley was of interest. I think he plays well in, in sort of the areas that you need to to uh to do that. But my first pick is actually at 33 to 1, and it was uh Nicholas Lemke. And he's just playing incredibly good golf, he's incredibly solid. Um, you know, I think he's four top 11s uh, in his last four events. Uh, in decent events as well. It's not the case of just really low-level stuff. He's an improving golfer. Um, he's got a 12th and a 23rd here. And going back to my correlations with the Portugal Open and, and the Porsche European, he's got two uh, two top nine finishes in both of those events. So if they if those correlations pan out, and he keeps up the sort of you know the ball striking and the the course finishes that he's had in recent weeks, then he he looks like he's due a win. And and it's. And he looks like a player that would win at Challenge to a level, and this isn't really much more different from that. 
Yep. And, and what's odd about Lemke is like those four starts are so stretched out. Like it's, yeah. he played last week, but that was like the first time in like three months that he, we've yeah. seen him, but he still continues this form 12th here in 2019. Um, yeah. I, I can't hate, you know, I, of course I'm in on Guido. I'm in on Guido, you know, down to 25 to one, which, which he still is. I, I can't live with myself not having that bet <laughs> at this week. I mean, again, and, and don't forget, we're also at this course next week. We're running back to back similar fields. Um, it's a Tuesday start next week. So it's going to be interesting if they get the odds out in time for us to do a little bit of a preview um, as it starts early. But, you know, this is, this is some magical times as we keep, <laughs> keep saying for, for what's going on in Kenya um, for it. So we covered the top top of the board. Um, I think the mid range is where I get really, really intrigued here, um, where I have a, a handful of bets in a row, but I'll kick it to you. Um, who's sticking out to you in the mid range? So in the mid range, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't many picks for me. There was a couple of guys I wanted to mention. Garrett Higo, uh, has finished fifth on this golf course. Uh, you know, he's just finished, he just had back to back wins on the sunshine tour and then finished fifth here. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point to stop you. Yeah. The Sunshine Tour has played at Karen Country Club a lot. You know, yeah. it, it has seen a lot of exposure. So some of these guys, you see Daniel Van Tonder coming over to, you know, Jaden Trey Scapers playing. Um, you know, a lot of those guys, I mean, I guess Scapers probably, you know, too young, probably didn't play there the year before. But a lot of these guys have seen this course. Good point. Yeah, and that, and that and Daniel Van Tonder was the other guy. You know, he's played well. He just lost in the playoff in the Sunshine Tour to an Eagle. Um, yeah. It these guys are in great form and and they're coming to events that should suit. They've proven that they can play on the Sunshine Tour. They've proven they can play at European Tour level. They weren't price jumped off the page to me, but also I don't think I think you've got to put it in perspective. It's not a big field. It's not a tough event. So the odds weren't really that bad. They're just not. I'm starting my card in the triple digits, which is weird for me. Yeah, I, normally I'm the one hammering the long shots. I know you, you, uh, you know, took my spot. We kind of flip flopped here, but I think Higo, Higo's eighty one hundred dollars on DraftKings, very, very affordable relative to his odds, relative to what we know he can do. Last week he was really, really up there. Uh, I know Pat was on him and just couldn't come through on Saturday. I think he really went back. Van Tonders only eighty four hundred, um, and, and Scapers eighty five hundred. Who I, I love the talent of the kid. Uh, we have to check it out a little bit because he withdrew last week on the Sunshine Tour. Not positive of the reason why uh it's actually his birthday today which i believe still keeps him in the teens right is that that's oh nope 20 birth 20th birthday today so he's now entering on a bit now then yes yeah, yeah. over it's the hill for us maybe yeah. uh but no so i wanted to know a little bit more information on that withdrawal because he was fifth the week prior on the sunshine tour and i'm a huge fan of him so I, i'm not there yet the one that i am going to to start this area is johannes veerman i feel like veerman is just sleeping at 40 to 1. you know arguably a top 10 golfer top eight golfer in this uh event with a long-term form if you stretch it out and he's still even though he's a really really good putter he actually has a good ball striking game too his off the tee approach numbers if you stretch it out aren't top of the field but still in the upper you know 25 percentile you know that you would say he is you know a consistent golfer he played and finished inside the top 20 last time of this event inside the top 20 last week was really good ball striking veerman to me is just you know somebody who i could have easily seen being priced with 
you know, Langoske, Paisley, you know, Rye, Donaldson, you know, I, I think he could have been lows into 28. So I will gladly take the 40s that were out there on Johannes Vierman. I'm going to stay in the range and I'm going to go back to who I think probably should have won the event last week um, is Darren Ficard, um, another Sunshine guy. I believe I pronounced that. I used to say Fitchard, but I listen on the broadcast. I'm pretty sure it's Ficard, right? I always say Fitchart, so I don't know. Okay. Fitchart <laughs> sounds better to me. I'm in on that. So old man Darren, um, you know, he is somebody who has a slew of professional wins to his name. But if you look at what he has done on the European tour over the last, you know, I guess for him, it's been the last 10 tournaments where he got the starts in South Africa. He gained over two and a half strokes gained on the field on a per round basis where, you know, two, a little bit over two of those per round come from ball striking. You know, you don't imagine a 45 year old golfer being literally the best ball striker by the stats, you know, from the European tour teeing it up this week, but that's what he is. You know, he can't uh, really make a putt. We saw that come to fruition with some bad misses over the weekend Friday, I think he doubled uh, a par five uh, or maybe that was Saturday that really kind of, you know, brought him back to the field and just, you know, he birdied 18 would have gotten the playoff. If Rosner would have missed, I expected uh, Fitcher to be a little bit lower in the odds. So there was a fifties that opened. There was actually some 66s that opened that I didn't catch in time, but you know, I'm really okay with the 50 to one for him. Um, and then I'll keep going. I'll run, I'll run all three of my mid tiers here before I pass it to you for long shots. Um, we're going to Maverick and Cliff. So, you know, Mav is another golfer Australian, um, who gets intermittent starts on the European tour. Um, and each time he does it, he seems to show up with a ball striking type of game. We were on Henny Duplessis last week. We're going to mention somebody else who is a, you know, spot starter. So there's actually two of them that are going to be kind of spot starts in a sense on the European tour. Um, just Maverick for me is somebody who has played well in, you know, some of the, the bigger events. If you want to say uh, what well, he's in the uh, PGA tour of Australia, Malaysia is a tour that he makes his starts T16, T7, and his two events start off there. T20 last week in Qatar, um, you know, Super Six, he was T14 earlier this year. So, you know, three events or four events he's played, four top 20s in 2021. Um, last year, he had back to back top 10s, um, you know, one of them being in Portugal um, last year at the Open in Portugal. But, um, you know, Dubai, duty free, Irish Open, he was third at. So I just think. Cliff has a lot of upside for the number that we see 66 to one, get a good each way price on that, you know, 13 plus 13, 20, um, to get that fifth odds. Um, so I'm in on that trio right there. Um, I'm going to catch my breath and give it back to you, Tom, <laughs> to start digging into the long shots. Yeah. So just going back quickly to Darren Fitcher, the only thing that really, cause I was looking at him and cause his ball striking and his approach game is just phenomenal. Like you alluded to, he's been second in the field, his last two starts. 29th and 11th before that, according to, uh, to the stats I've got here. The only thing that really caught me by surprise is for someone that's played for so long, I don't think he's played this golf course, uh, or I could be wrong on that, but it, that would that would only sort of ring a little bit of alarm bells to me that he doesn't like it, because to me it's kind of like a layup kind of event for him as someone that's so experienced, someone that wins as much as he does. wonder why he doesn't turn up. It might just be that he doesn't need to, which in, in that case is absolutely fine. Your target's in ball striking, and he fits that. And he's a better price than somebody that's finished second last week should be. So I have absolutely no problem with the pick. The other guy that I was going to mention before I move on to long shots, which I think you were teeing me up to and I probably missed, 
was Gaganjit Bula. Um, you know, he finished fifth here last year. He finished second last week. And he was one of the only players that actually um, stepped forward over the weekend. Everyone else was kind of coming backwards. We saw Jack Senior had a 33 day on the final day. He was missing cuts, missing greens. Bullard was just right there. He was solid. He kept his place. And 268 over the weekend in those conditions was absolutely superb. So I think he's a guy that you could target in your drafting scene. He's gone into a price. I mean, he opened up, I think it was 110 to 1 when you were up at 3 o'clock in the morning sending me the off sky. <laughs> and that, that really caught my eye. And then he's come down to something ridiculous like 50s. And that's probably more what like he should be. Um, but that was enough to kind of put me off. The first guy in the long shots for me was Andrej Liza or Lisa. Um, you know, he's a, he's a challenge tour guy. And we talk about Guido Migliozzi. We talk about Adrian Aus. We talk about Ad, uh, Antoine Rosner. These guys are people that have made a very quick jump from mini tours uh, up until this to the big stage. And and he's now won. His last two starts have both been in challenge tour and he won both of them. And he was fourth the week before that as well. So his last three events were his fourth, first, first. Um, and the worry is, right, that he doesn't translate to this level. But he had two starts on the European Tour slash Challenge Tour when the lockdown was revealed. Uh, he finished 44th in Austria, and I think it was 13th in the Euron Bank as well, where he played really, really well. And that, to me, gave me enough confidence that he can make that step up. And and you're getting on a guy at 100 to 1. A bit like this, Migliozzi was the same price when he won here in 2019. You know, you're backing the potential. And if he's got it, I mean, he's 29 years of age, he's not young, but it looks like he's taken the next step in his career. And now he's a guy that you like as well. Yep, I am absolutely in on that 125s, you know, even the hundreds that are out there. It's just something you're betting on, you know, again, a weaker field, you know, maybe the challenge tour grand final is, is arguably a similar type of field strength to what we see here. Maybe the top of the board isn't, you know, as strong, but you know, that is the best field that they'll see all year long on the challenge tour. He wins that by a stroke after winning the week before, um, you know, he has played in 32 events since 2018 and he has finished inside the top five in literally half of those 16 of those 32. He has top five finishes, including four wins. Guy can play, you know, we, again, I was really, really bummed because he was going to get a start at um, the, the week before the DP world tour, the one that Rosner yeah, won. Prior. Dubai, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Golf in Dubai. And he got COVID along with that was Langoske. And then Tom Lewis, that trio couldn't play that week. Um, so at least I didn't get his chance to really step through on a bigger European tour event. But I, I think he might have been tipped like similar odds that week as what we see now. And the field strength is immensely different than what that week was. So I am absolutely in with you on that bet. Who's next? So I think now we've kind of got a trio of like 200 to one shots, which is we love it. You love it. This is the type of thing you love to do. But it kind of speaks volumes about the event that we've got. The first guy that I'm going to bring up is Bern Britham, um, possibly one of the greatest names in the game of golf. Um, if your name's Rick Hammer, you're bound to be good at something. Um, and he's kind of seen as this guy that people saw as you know really high potential. He had three wins in the Challenge Tour 2016. He's seen as a guy that he wants to go and open up his shoulders and 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 hit it big. Well, he's had three top tens on this course when it was uh, on the Challenge Tour. He was 57th here in 2019, which you know isn't great, but he's got that form um, in those two courses that I mentioned. He's second in the Porsche European Open, ninth in the Portugal Masters. Um, he led the field in strokes gain approach at the Golf in Dubai Championship before Christmas that we just alluded to there. Um, 
And you missed the cut last week, but you shot a second round 78. There was tough conditions. I could kind of forgive that. This looks like the type of course that should suit him. And if it does, well, it does, the course does suit him, the event itself, for the field strength, 201 is a huge number. Yeah. You know, yeah, Rit Hammer was somebody who was down probably in the 30s to 40s when we saw you mentioned the, the events that Leeser played in. Uh, you know, that was, he was one of the, you know, top 20 price golfers in those fields. So I guess the discrepancy in those odds, I remember backing him, you know, at the forties and fifties that were there. So I think that's a, a sharp point by you. I'll, I'll tee up our next guy. You went with the easy pronunciation one that you're in on. I'm not <laughs> sure how to say this guy's name and I'm sorry, week in and week out, but Lars Van Miel, I'm going to go with that pronunciation. Um, you know, you can listen to lost for words to see Jason's pronunciation of that. <laughs> for this week but Lars, <laughs> yeah so he's, he's from the netherlands 26 years old kind of a young gun um in the sense if we consider that young in the game of golf but you know lars last week played incredibly well finished 14th um in the uh qatar masters so i mean if you look at his approach game approach game for him he came in at uh eighth in this field um for who played last week then coming this week getting 1.63 strokes gained ball striking per round um you know he has been somebody that you know has similar to what we've referred to uh for leaser you know lars has really um you know excelled on some of the lower tier events um, or, or tours that he's played on. So to me, that feels like somebody, again, you're targeting at a course where you can get him um, in a longer odds, weaker field, prolific type of golfer on the lower tiers. Uh, and that's the, the recipe of what we saw here. I mean, two wins for him in 2019. Those would have been one on the Challenge Tour, one on the Alps Tour. 2017, he won on the Alps Tour, too. You know who used to rip up the Alps Tour? Guido Migliazzi. So are we seeing the comparisons? Maybe, you know, we, we see a challenge tour victories to me, you know, that those are big time victories for these type of golfers to, you know, get themselves in these opportunities. 2020 didn't go as well for him, but first event of 2021 season finishing 14th with the approach game, that's enough for me at 200 to one. Also, you say that the 2020 didn't go to plan. It didn't, but he had a tied to for the Joburg Open and he's just done this at the Qatar Masters. And I would say that, South Africa and the Middle East are kind of two sort of that correlate quite often. And the fact that he's just played so well in Qatar, he's making this trip over to here. I think it would just really suit him very well. And you mentioned the progression. He's gone from like pro golf tour to outs tour to challenge tour. And he's, he's winning at a clip, right? And you mentioned he's 26, 27 years of age. Rosner's 28, 29. And, and he's seen as like this new, you know, fresh blood. But Lars Van Meer, who's got another couple of years to do that, um, and he's just starting to show it with the irons. And that's all you really need to see, isn't it? You've got, as soon as you get those kind of flashes, and I think this is where you know, there's a lot of guys that go off feel and name value. And when you don't look at statistics as much, you don't see these guys getting hot with the irons. And, and this guy that I'm going to talk about now is someone that has just caught my eye just purely because his irons are so good. Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño. Okay. He probably most famous for a lot of people for, um, for dobbing in Simon Dyson for replacing the pitch, uh, pressing down a pitch mark. Um, they had a really big argument about it, and and he's kind of not recovered from that, really. Um, he tried to go over to America and play in a Corn Ferry PGA. Uh, limited success. But this is a seven-time European Tour winner. He's 40 years of age. His last four starts have yielded. He, he led this, uh, the field in strokes game approach last week. 
22nd to start before that and fourth two starts before that with his irons. So he's just going to get it rolling on the greens. Um, he's he's finished uh, tied second in Portugal, which is something I like. He finished 14th in Portugal last year, which doesn't sound great on the face of it, but it's actually his best finish since Valderrama in 2018. So it's been a long time since he's taken to get back to his game. But if his irons are as good as the stats suggest, and if he can find a putter, which anybody can any given week, because I know Fernandez Castanio can certainly get it done if he gets in the hunt. Yep. And, I mean, again, you, you put yourself in the shoes of what, you know, Migliazzi did here as a winner and, and the, the, the long shots who have irons that are trending, I, I think fits the bill. And that's, you know, a few guys that we are attacking that, that have exactly done that um, again. So, you know, Karen country club back-to-back weeks for us. And, and this is going to be something where also, you know, probably actually my favorite event in the world Um you know, you can have the players' championship. Mm-hmm. I, I love majors. I think I put the majors aside, but I live for the WGC match play. That is just an electric event. Rosner got himself into the match play. We're going to have a few more of our European tour guys. You know, that is one of the bucket list events for me to attend in person. And, you know, hopefully we get a chance again. That's a Wednesday start too. They're starting both of them early on us next week. Um, So we can see what we can put together kind of in our short turnaround. But I think uh, we got a handful ahead of us with this event. I mean, last week, again, the players was phenomenal. Um, You know, we had guys in contention, you know, Sergio was up there for you. Casey ended up cashing the each way. Um, I know that's probably a little uh, sore wound to talk about there, but you know, that was, you know, we, we had a good week, Tom. I, I think it's hard to, to just result base and just say profit loss. You know, I think overall you were nails in both of the events. I think for me, and, and thank you for saying that, because obviously you're the one, you're the guy that cashed with, with Guido and Casey. And I'm just happy with the process, right? I'm happy with the fact that I said to you at the start of when we started doing these YouTube videos that Sergio Garcia was one to target when he got a bigger price and a bigger event. He did that. I, I cannot foresee that he's going to miss a 22-inch putt. I literally, I mean, he shuts his eyes when he's putting, but I could have shut my eyes, putt with one hand, and still made that putt. He literally missed the hole. I cannot, nothing can foresee that. So, you know, and then he missed a couple of others, short putts. He, he stiffed it to 17 after a bad run. You know, not to not to get hung up on it, but you can't you can't expect these things to happen. And, and I'm just happy that the process led me to that. Um and hopefully, if there's anything in this correlation between the the European Open and the Portugal Masters, then these 201 guys are going to pop up for me and uh, I'll get some redemption. Yep. Amen to that. Well, I think that's a great week. Good way to finish there. So let's recap the betting cards. Um, so again, I'm on Guido. Hopefully you can find, you know, the best number available by the time we finish recording this next thing, you know, he's 10 to one and everybody <laughs> across the world has backed him because that's what I'm recommending. But 25s is the low, the best price I'm seeing right now. A few sports books on the state side have not released all their odds just yet. 25s to 33s for Guido. I'm in on Johannes Veerman at 40 to one. Darren Fitchard at 50s. Maverick Aincliffe at 66 to one. Um, Andre uh Lassier, 125s with you, Tom. And then Lars Van Michel at 200 to 1. That is my six pack of bets for the week. Tom, who are you on? Yeah, so I like Nicholas Limke. I don't particularly love the price, but I did this last week with Kitsiyama. I think that you just have to, if something suggests it's going that well, like you have the Guido, you just stick to the six guns and go with it. I then go to Andre Lisa with you. Uh, I also join you with Lars Van Michel, or, you know, whatever his name is. We'll find <laughs> out over the weekend when he wins. 
Um, Burn, Hammer, and Gonzalo Fernandez Castagna. I think they're all, I think this is a good week. And especially you'll see this over in the Honda Classic. And if you listen to both our podcasts, you'll see we've probably both got long shots in the Honda. I think it's a good week to play those each way doubles, to play those top 20, top 10 doubles, because I think there's a lot of value down the field. Guys that necessarily might not win, but can certainly get you into places. And I think that's the sort of week where you can cash in double. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always aboard long shots and uh, giving kind of you that opportunity for a double. I know Pat was sweating some some Guido C. Woo doubles last week. That could have been fun. Um, But no, thank you guys for listening for another week. Again, this is the Mayo Media Network European Tour Picks and Bets. Please feel free. I need you to subscribe here for us. Like the page. It always helps gain traction for this tireless effort that, you know, not just Tom and myself are doing, but so many behind the scenes that are pushing Mayo Media Network to the, uh, you know, place it's at today and the opportunities that, that we have been given. As well, if you are into the audio format, listening to podcasts, you can search for The Mix, Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets. You can find us there on any of the podcast platforms. So feel free, both tunes, you know, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Skyhook DFS. And Tom, where can they find you? Yes, Tom Jacobs93 on Twitter and the Lost for Words Golf Podcast as well. Uh, we won't take it to heart if you decide to listen to us audio rather than look at our faces. <laughs> um, but if we win, yeah, we win your bets. We want to see you tuning on YouTube. So. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys again. And we'll catch you next week.